I don't know what I'm gonna create when I start. I just draw patterns and it's always a surprise and it's always beautiful. And I always feel so good afterward. One of the mottos is the pencil you use has no eraser. This is an opportunity to reframe how you face obstacles and challenges that, okay, this wasn't what I expected, but what can I do with what is now? Happy New Year and welcome back to Created Creative. I'm Dawn. And I'm Ruth. Happy New Year. 2024, bring it on. And happy eighth day of, eighth day oh of Christmas. Gosh, something, something like that. Eight yeah. lords, nine ladies, eight lords of leaping. Eight Lords of Leaping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or is it ten Lords of Leaping? Eight Maids of Milking. Happy Eight Maids of yep, Milking. Yeah, Eight Maids of Milking. Seven Swans of Swimming. Six. Yep. How was Christmas? There's one day a year that I cook for everybody, and I have everybody over to my house, and that's Christmas Day. And so I was so tired by the end of it, I totally forgot it was Monday, and we had a new episode coming out. The fun of this week, though, is that nobody knows what day of the week it is. Right. It's yeah, a liminal space. Kind of... It's just like how many days... From Christmas and until New Year's, that's it. And then it was compounded because there were quite a few churches around here, and mine was one of them that didn't have services on Christmas Eve in the morning. We just had it in the evening on Christmas Eve. So it's not Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> that Sunday just didn't happen this week. Right. Yeah, so that really confused everything on top of it being Christmas Day. I don't know. We'll be lucky if the garbage gets out on the right day this week. <laughs> Which may have moved because they got yeah. a day off. Right. How was your Christmas? We have a theme every yeah. year for Christmas, and it was cover. It went well. We did a lot of books that you could read cover to cover. I made a donation to the library in various people's names. And so there will be a nameplate inside the cover of a book for each person. That's nice. My sister-in-law. So when my brother and I were children, we made our children's books into a library. And we typed up little mm -hmm. cards so people could check out the books. So my sister-in-law found bookmarks that look like those cards. Oh. There was a lot of cover your expenses, cover your whatever lunch. Mm -hmm. We got some baby instruments oh. to make a cover band and then mm -hmm. also tickets to the cover bands. My oh. mom went to the local candy shop and got three employees involved in finding things that said cover on the label, oh. like chocolate covered almonds. Perfect. And they were into it. They're like, come back next year, no matter what the theme is. Oh, that sounds so fun. I should have my family do that. That's a cool tradition. So mm -hmm. give it a try. Yeah. And then yeah. New Year's, we interviewed Diane and mm -hmm. she brought up this one little word thing that a lot of people do at New Year's. Do you do this? The star word. Oh, the... star word. Some people or... call it that. Yeah, there's different traditions around that. But I'm most familiar with the star words, just sort of a word to focus on for the year. But a lot of times people forget the word. I am among the people that forgets the word. But I like the concept. Mm -hmm. Like, what is your intention for the year? I started picking a word alongside my coaching clients eight or 10 years ago. But it always feels like I don't pick the right word for me. But a star word is assigned, right? There's different ways that I've seen it done with my congregation. I've done a bunch of words in a box that they choose one. And the consecrate box, we've done a star word in a different way every year. Like mm. one year I had stickers and everyone had a different word and every box had a word on the sticker inside their box. That was a big deal. Whoa. And then we had an artist who was a metal worker. She made bracelets and they were little stars. The charm was a star and she, by hand, tapped the word into each little metal bracelet. She was awesome. So you wouldn't forget the word she, if you have a bracelet. Right. Yeah, that was nice because then you could carry it all year. And I actually still remember my word from last January because of that. It was vision. 
The yes. Star Wars are nice if it's just given to you and you're like, how is this word interacting with my life? Kind of like Diane was doing. She had mm -hmm. a word and then she said, how does yeah. this interact? Mm -hmm. This was a great interview. I really enjoyed talking with her. He was all kinds of insightful and brave about her coaching. Yes, it was such a good conversation and I can't wait for people to hear it. Okay, well, let's go. Hi, welcome. Hello. Hi, Diane. <laughs> We're so glad that you're here. Diane is a cabin not too far from where I live, so we got to have oh. coffee last summer. That was nice. We knew each other online for a couple of years. Yeah. Never met in real life. That was wonderful. Diane had had one really popular reflection deck in our box that she had created, and then it was like a year later, right? that then I asked her to take over an entire box and create everything for the box. You are such a creative soul, and I'm so happy that you could be with us today, and we could pick your brain a little bit about your creativity. Thank you for the invitation, and working with you, Ruth, has just opened doors for me, too, of connecting with people, and I just love how working together creates new connections and shared worlds of people we know. It's a small world, really. So, Diane, what has been one of your most enjoyable creative experiences? Oh, well, you've already spoken about it. My mind went right to that card deck. It grew out of early COVID days in 2020. The last few years, I've chosen a word for the year, and that word happened to be serenity. And here came COVID. What a powerful word to sit with, beginning in March when everything was closed down. And what does serenity mean to me now? On Instagram, a lot of artists do a 100-day project. And that happened to start in March. For 100 days, you'd create whatever it is you create. And so taking that word in every day, in those early days when so much was so disrupted and difficult and challenging, just sitting with that word. And every day I would create this little three-inch piece of art. And then I'd write a reflection that I'd post on social media that day. And it was so powerful to me. And then just thinking about this needs to be shared. And it was some months later that I created this card deck. Mm -hmm. It was a Presbyterian pastor friend who happens to get Ruth's boxes who said, you need to talk to Ruth. This would be good for her boxes. <laughs> Thanks to Pastor Sarah. They get out in the world that way to begin with. Yeah, that was just a powerful project for me, my own spirituality, my own processing what was happening in the world and in myself. And to create as a part of that just really opened up. It's true that spirituality and creativity for me are of a piece. That initial deck, well, and then the subsequent one you made as well, they're just so beautiful. Your artwork has so much color and life to it, and I just love it. You already brought up about an overlap between art and spirituality. Those hundred days, did that feel like a spiritual practice when you were oh. reflecting on serenity and posting art? Absolutely. I was trained as a spiritual director through our Nebraska Synod's Seeking the Spirit Within. I've met with a spiritual director for 10 years, and that was just definitely an outlet for me sitting with whatever the concern was that day or whatever was popping up. And every day something would come, either in an email or in something I would hear on the news or in social media. And that was the thing for that day, the word that I would reflect on and draw around and then write something about. But it was definitely my spiritual practice for those hundred days. I like it too because a lot of people pick one little word at New Year's. And I have a lot of my coaching clients have been doing that for years. But by March, a lot have forgotten the word mm -hmm. and you hung on to it. So A+. Plus. Well, yeah, and it wasn't just serenity. It was how does serenity connect? One of the quotes of the Mother Teresa quote about 
We have no peace when we forget that we belong to each other. Those kind of things would come to me every day. Oh yeah, this connects. How do I live serenity with this particular quote? How do I process that? So there was a different word every day, but it would connect in with serenity. That's one way. If you're looking for accountability to take on a project like that, where you bring yourself back to that word every day and how it informs whatever's going on in another way. It was just very powerful. And then it just said, this needs to be shared somehow. And I still feel that's so much what art is about. It's meant to be shared and finding what that is and what that looks like for you. It's so public the way you did that. I feel like a lot of people create, make sure they love it, wait six more months and then share it. And you're just out there daily. That was every day. And it felt a little risky sometimes, quite honestly, yeah. because, I mean, that was also an emotionally charged time in so mm -hmm. many ways. And so how do you share this in a way that's meaningful and that might help someone else as they're going through a difficult time and that's honest and true to yourself? I think it's interesting how there's a lot of good art that came out of 2020, <laughs> a lot of new creations in all kinds of ways. So true. I'd love to hear a little bit more about the circumstances that you like to have when you're creating things. Do you set aside certain time each day or do you just kind of fit it in where you can? I would create all day long if I had the choice, if there weren't other <laughs> things that have to be done. But I don't really need a particular environment. The kind of creating I do is entangle drawing is creating on a very small canvas so I can carry it in my purse and do it when I'm waiting somewhere. So it's very portable. Wait, what's the word? Zen tangle drawing? Zen tangle, yes. I don't it's, know that word. Zen tangle is a way of drawing repetitive patterns. It helps you focus. It's created on a very small three and a half inch square tile. Then they say, if you can hold a pen, you can do a dot, a line, a C curve, an S curve, or a round shape, you can do Zen tangle. It's an eight-step process, so it's sort of like a prayer practice. It begins with gratitude and appreciation. It begins with putting dots with your pencil in the corner. Rick Roberts Maria Thomas came up with this. In 2004, he had a background in Zen meditation and her in very fine lettering and drawing. And he was watching her work one day and said, you look like I feel when I'm in meditation. And now there are thousands of certified teachers throughout the world who've studied with them. So I began and quickly realized the benefits of the focus and the slowing down. Rick talks about this as a ritual or a ceremony that you create mm -hmm. around you as you draw. And so it just fits really well with spiritual practices. I began it as a way to deal with stress, actually. And now I'm a certified Zentangle teacher. My favorite way of teaching it is as a spiritual practice, as a way to connect with prayer, as a way to reconnect with your own creativity. One of the mottos is you realize you can do things you didn't know you could do. There are just life lessons galore with this mm -hmm. process. So I can do Zentangle anywhere, but if I really want to just get in a space of quiet and listening, the best thing is for me to just be somewhere, light a candle, have my pen, have my little tile, take some moments to breathe and listen, and then just see what happens. I don't know what I'm going to create when I start. I just draw patterns. And it's always a surprise, and it's always beautiful. And I always feel so good afterward. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Out of that just comes so many good things. Like what comes out of it? So one of the mottos is there's no mistakes in Zentangle. The pencil you use has no eraser. Hmm, the pencil you use has no eraser. That could be like a life motto. <laughs> exactly, right? Oh, you can take these things into life and realize on a bigger scale. Okay, if I can do this in Zentangle, I can do this in real life. This is an opportunity to do something different and then to reframe how you face obstacles and challenges that 
okay, this wasn't what I expected, but what can I do with what is now? It's a very zenful, mindful oh my gosh, yeah. practice in the yeah. things it teaches you. Yeah. And if you really embrace that and practice it, it becomes part of your operating in daily life. It truly does. Wow. How you do anything is how you do everything. That is a proverb. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. If you teach any classes on it, when you come up to Minnesota, I'm coming to the class because that sounds really fascinating. We'll have to do that. <laughs> yeah. And it's Zen, Tangle, T-A-N-G-L-E. Is that what you're saying? Tangle, yeah. They simply came up with that as the word for the little designs. In each tangle, there are oh. thousands of tangles. Rick and Maria and their little Zentangle headquarters, they've come mm -hmm. up with the first tangles. But since then, people all over the world, anyone can take a pattern, take something you see in nature, something you see in architecture or art. And if you can break that down into these elemental strokes, you have a tangle. That's just the word they came up for. It's kind of fun. I think it kind of indicates that it's part of a process that you're not drawing a certain thing, just drawing this pattern. You find a pattern in nature that then you are repeating through a certain type of stroke. Yeah, if you can break that down into the circle, the line, the C curve, you can put those together and create this pattern that repeats. You've got a tangle. Oh, Look it up. It's really, <laughs> really fascinating. Could you send us a link? Absolutely. Okay. And you said you've been teaching classes on Zentangle. Do you do that pretty frequently? I've been doing it more and more frequently in person. I've been teaching at a lot of independent living. Oh. One place I go every couple months, and some folks are regular, some just show up. The gift is you can do this with few tools, and you don't have to know how to draw. And yeah. you can experience success in a short time on this little tiny canvas. You find out you can do it. Yeah. I hear stories of people who remember creating as a child. And maybe they haven't done it for a while. Oh, I can do this. Yeah. And I teach online quite a bit too. Oh, good. I've been so people could learn. Absolutely. <laughs> I post uh, classes on my website and I've been teaching with our Nebraska Synod some spirituality and prayer connections with the drawing. And that's really my favorite way to share it. Oh, that's great. Another thing that I wanted to ask you about, who are some of your favorite artists, people that you've admired, artists and creators? I follow on social media a lot of Zentangle artists. I take a class with a woman in Croatia once a month we mm. meet, and she's fabulous. The gift of technology is that we can find people and be part of creating with people the world over, which is wonderful. Beyond visual arts, I think of Carrie Newcomer, a oh, musician, yeah. her art, her connection with story, her reflections that she shares through her emails. She's just a powerful creator that... I listen to poets like Mary Oliver, Wendell Berry. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. They inspire me in my own creating. A lot of times when I sit down to draw, my inspiration might be a poem. Creativity has just come to mean so much, cover such a broad umbrella of abilities there. So. Yeah, that was funny that one time. I had posted a picture of one of the cards and you had on the front of the card, you can do this hard thing. And then one of my friends said, oh, does Diane know that song? Has she, or has she heard of Carrie Newcomer? And then I asked you, and then you're like, oh, yeah. And then all I had to do was turn the card over, and you had referred to the song <laughs> on the back of the card. That phrase also came out through Glennon Doyle's book at COVID time. And it's her podcast. Yeah, You can do her things. Yes, yeah. yeah. She's an inspiration to me, too. There's just so much inspiration out there, and I love that technology helps us find each other and hear each other. In addition to your Zentangles and teaching, what else are you working on lately? Oh my gosh, business always ramps up just a little bit with calendars for the next year. Because some people 
still like an analog calendar mm-hmm. on their wall. I'm just having fun seeing what might be useful for people. How can I share this in a way that might be a fun gift to give to someone or people might enjoy having in their home? So that's my playtime, really. <laughs> I think you do a really good job with sharing your work on social media. Is that comfortable for you, sharing your work? Oh, it's becoming more and more. I've sort of just decided this is what social media can be for me. I can connect with the people in my real life in other ways, friends and family and that sort of thing. But I've decided, okay, if I'm going to use social media, I'm just going to jump into it and mm-hmm. and share it and be who I am and not be afraid that I'm too much. Or if people want to tune me out, they can do that on social media. We can decide yeah. who's in our ear. That's our choice. So, okay, I'll be me. I'll mm-hmm. just share what I have to share, trusting that I do believe Going back to when I started all of this and discovered Zentangle with my spiritual director, I realized what my life was missing was creativity, some expression. Mm -hmm. And then this kind of all developed and it continues to develop. But my thought also through spiritual direction was this is for something. And I think our lives are for sharing whatever it is that we do that we have to share. God gives it to us as a gift and it's meant to be shared. Mm -hmm. And God delights in giving to us. And... God, love, whatever you call it, delights in our sharing it with others. That's what we're here for. Mm -hmm. Oh, so good. Just share it. Yeah, it's all connected. That's one of the reasons that I love meeting the people who put things in Consecrate, because it's so obvious how it's all connected. Creating things feeds their spirit, and it adds to their ministry as well, too. If they're ministers who create things, it makes their lives and their ministries better. And no matter what we do, if we're able to share our creativity, it just makes life better and richer. I feel like, Ruth, you do that through the work that you do. You're encouraging other people. I can tell that it's feeding your own soul to do this work (laughs) that you do and to share it with others. What a gift. It inspires me all the time. So it's just so fun to talk to people who are making things and passionate about it. What are your hopes for the future with your work? Are there things that you're working on or muddling in your mind about? Oh, gosh. (laughs) Yeah, there's lots of muddling, Ruth, about what I'm doing and how do you make that next leap of sharing, figuring out what is yours to share. And balancing for me, because this is such a strongly spiritually grounded thing for me personally, the whole idea of it being also a business. Sometimes there's a little disconnection there in my head. And while I feel like what I do is made to be shared, who is it meant for? And how do you find those people? And how do you connect with those who can hear it? So do we need to focus more on the rub between a spiritual practice that makes money, like at the business, or more of where is your audience, how to find those people? Because we could do either one. I think for me, my struggle personally is, Ruth asked about being okay with sharing on social media. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. figuring that out. I'm listening to others to say how to do that and to feel good about it. But then the rub is, if this is a business, can I keep a fair balance of being a business of sort, but also wanting this to resonate and connect with people who also hear what I hear in this kind of artwork and bring meaning to their lives, but that I can feel okay, maybe that's my question, that I can feel okay with being a business person. Tell me what's wrong with being a business person. I get it. I want to hear your version of it. Oh, does it feel too commercial that I risk crossing a line where I lose track, perhaps, with the meaning behind what I'm doing. I so feel, you think if you take money for it, you'll lose your personal connection to the meaning? Dawn, I'm a person who's worked in the church 
mostly my whole adult life. <laughs> I get it. Did you take some money for your work in the church? Some, yeah. <laughs> we do believe that those who serve the church should be taken care of by the church. We do pay the people. We're at least that far. Right. But I get, because I worked in churches many years, how we're supposed to then just give everything of ourselves with no boundary and that the creative work should be free or included, right? I don't want to put words in your mouth. Am I kind of close to it? Absolutely. You hit it, Don. Yeah. Okay. Because like when I teach a class, someone mm -hmm. asked me to come and teach. What's a fair rate? I need to cover my expenses. I think what I have to bring has value when I'm bringing something like this to teach. I think that's my issue is what is it worth? Can I claim that and feel okay about it? You know, this thought that you're exploiting someone if you take money for the thing that is your gift, they chose to come. Mm -hmm. You're right. They're choosing it. It's true. And when you're not doing it under the salary of a church, it's okay to be compensated. It's okay that your gift can sustain you. And in the ministries that are asking me to come and do something for them, want me to do what I can do. Right. And it needs to be more than just covering your expenses for your gas. Your time and your genius you bring is valuable. Don't we want to live in a world where it is sustainable to be creative and share creativity as a spiritual path? I think it has immense value. Mm -hmm. Yes. So you're yes. worth a lot because you can channel people toward that. Right. True. Here's another thing that helps me. If you charge nothing, you are hurting someone else who is also an artist and actually needs the money. Right. Ooh. We've got to set the set point really high. I coach people and I charge enough to live and I have a child. And there are people charging $25 and that has a major negative impact on me mm -hmm. when somebody charges $25 for an hour of coaching. Oh, sure. Yeah. Because they think it's only worth $25, I cannot live that way. Mm -hmm. I run into the same thing with the boxes, too. Every now and then someone will want to say, oh, it's too expensive. It's like, well, I'm not going to get into trying to bicker about the price. And I just in my mind, I'm like, well, then they're not my customer. Because they don't understand that I'm trying to pay the artist something and then I'm paying for the boxes and I have to pay for the taxes. And then at the end of the day, my time is valuable, too, for curating these things. Some people get it and they're more than happy to pay and they think that I charge too little. There's going to be some that think that the box is too expensive or the art class should be free or that the person who created it doesn't deserve to be compensated. At the end of the day, we are the ones who have to put a price on our time. And what you do is so valuable to this world. But I totally understand that thing that's been drilled into us forever about okay. if you're really a good person or a good Christian or whatever. I have heard this too, but you have had years and years of programming mm -hmm. that the creative stuff should be free. Mm -hmm. Yeah. After all, that's just fun. That's just kind of extra. Right. That's just dressing. Uh -huh. It's unnecessary, but I think it's very necessary. When did we decide that creativity and creative expression is not vital? It is vital. Yes. When I think of these poets, these yeah. musicians, these people who dig into and uncover the deeper things of life that we're not all ready to listen for that at the same time and at different times in our life we hear differently but it's so crucial that we have people who point us to what's deeper yeah, yeah. and what's beautiful oh heavens in these times we need beauty we need 
reminders of our humanity, our shared humanity, our shared potential for creating beauty and kindness. So you probably can do the math on what your expenses are that these people need to cover. Have you ever charged for your time? I think I'm beginning to charge a little bit for my time. Okay, so whatever it is, can you triple it with the next person who asks? Ooh, Dawn, that'd feel risky. What is the worst thing that's going to happen? Will a big flaming cave open up and you'll be swallowed in to the depths of some kind of fire if you ask for three times as much? Or like, what's really the danger? They won't have me come. They won't ask me. Is that dangerous? No, because then maybe the person that, like Ruth is saying, the person who does have that capacity would show up. And at the end of the day, if nobody, you'd have more time for your art. (laughs) Do you need to be spending time with people who don't value you? I don't know what that does to your psyche. Good point. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously there's the risk of feeling not valued when you show up somewhere. And well, I know if they had so-and-so come do such and such, I know what they'd be paying this person. But I guess then the issue is trusting that my presence and contribution carries value as well. Mm-hmm. How do yeah. we build that trust in yeah. yourself? What would help you trust you? Good question. I'd have to think on that, what it would actually take. I know that in Nebraska, there aren't many certified Zentacle teachers. I'm aware of two others who have gone through the process. So there's not a huge number of people. So you are a limited offer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. Amazing. And the more I teach it, the more I hear from people reactions of how they feel mm-hmm. and how they experience it. So there's value there. Do you keep the testimonials? Do you have testimonials in a oh. Word document? Oh, no, I do not. Could you? Is that possible? Does your brain operate that way? Yes. I just got a testimonial from the class I taught last week online that I definitely want to put somewhere. And I haven't thought about how to share that, but I could put that on the website, right? Yes, you could. I'm wondering if there could be a whole page of testimonials. You read it, then you tell the people what you cost. When you send the email of what it costs to have you, you have just read the testimonials. It will actually raise your psychological set point. I got a nice letter the other day from someone who ordered something from me, and she took the time to send me a letter by snail mail. Two-page letter talking about how she's using her cards, how they make her feel. Oh my gosh, I need to preserve this for my own Mm -hmm. sense of value and contribution to someone else's life. I'd be happy to write a testimonial. And I bet a lot of people, if they aren't just appearing, if you ask, okay. hey, would you write something oh. for me? There'd be a lot of people who'd be glad to contribute to that list. Oh, good idea. Yeah. So, okay, does this feel like something you really want to do? It really does feel like a doable and a helpful thing. If nothing else, for my own, I mean, you probably know how it is. Mm-hmm. Anytime you hear positive feedback from others, it elevates your own sense of who you are and what you're doing. Can you send them to us? Sure. Ooh. We're going to post them because everyone will have heard you commit to this. I can do that. Is that all right with you? Yeah, you didn't know there was going to be homework attached to the interview. Is it too much? I don't think so. I think it's a good exercise for me, something I haven't thought of doing. I appreciate it. I don't think it'll be hard for you to get five testimonials. You probably already have that many in your emails. A gift. Yeah, that's Something that's maybe been in the back of my mind, but never an intentional thing that I've thought I could do. Well, watching you and the work that you're doing and the steps that you're taking, it really inspires me. And I'm so glad that you would take some time to chat with us today about your process and how it's coming along and what you're thinking about. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. I didn't even know the words entangle and now I'm way into it. Thanks for the invitation. 
Thanks for joining us for another episode of Created Creative. We would love to continue the conversation, so follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Created Creative Podcast. That's where you can see an example of Diane's work and also find out if she in fact gathered up the five testimonials as we talked about at the end of the episode. Also, let us know, have you ever struggled with what your art is worth? We'd love to hear from you on Instagram or Facebook. And please follow us and leave a rating for us on Spotify and iTunes and also a review on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Go create something. Go create something.